We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of
morning, we're going to have the opportunity to partake as a family of faith communion together. I, li I like when the youngsters are in with us during our worship now and then, especially in times like this. The application of taking communion together is a unifying act because together we believe. Amen. And certainly with, with our with our youngsters, it's an opportunity to continue to teach them and ground them in the things that we believe. You know, all the things that, that we know the scripture teaches us, there's some things that Jesus told us to do, and this is one of them. Therefore, we do this and proclaim this until he comes again. Amen? So I'm going to read something in a moment. What we're going to do today is, is after I'm done reading this, we're going to come down and, and grab the elements and take them back to our seats. So we're going to do something a little different today. All right? So you might need to get with, with some uh, people around you, but I'm going to have you take communion as a family together. Instead of me praying through the elements, I'm going to have you do it as a family. Now, if you don't have a family here, we're going to hook you up with some people. So you'll be all right. Because we're still a family, even if your blood family's not here. Right? Amen? So somebody in your family, just take lead of praying over the broken body and taking it as a family, then praying over the cup representative of his blood as a family. Amen? Let me read this to you. This is the table not of the church but it's the table of the Lord and it is made ready for those who, who love him and for those who want to love him more so in a moment we're going to invite you to come you who have much faith and you who feel like you have little for you who have been here often or maybe you haven't been here very long for those that have been trying to follow Jesus and you've stumbled a little bit and maybe for so of you to feel like you failed we're going to invite you to come because it is the Lord that invites you here and it is his will for those who want him that they should be able to meet him here amen so we believe in the symbolism of communion we believe it's more than that there's something happening when we take communion together as a family of faith. Amen. So before you come today, I would like you to, as Paul admonished us in Scripture, to, to examine yourself before you come. We don't take this haphazardly. It's not something we do just to do it. And we, and we, we don't take it just out of, out of uh, going through the motions or ritual. We take it because we believe in what it symbolizes and what it means. Amen. So just for a moment, I want you to examine yourself and examine your heart. If there's need for the forgiveness of sins, ask it right now. We have a Father in heaven that if we just ask, as it says in 1 John 1, 9, just ask and he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? So let's take a moment and do that. In Jesus' name, we bring ourselves before you in examination. We ask for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Please forgive us. That we would be in right standing with you in all aspects of our life. And we know you're just so faithful. So faithful. In forgiveness, mercy, and grace. 
And we stand in that, in the name of Jesus. Now, if you would like, come on forward. If you kind of come down and, and make our way and kind of head around the sides, that would help us out a little bit. Parents, you know, help your children out this morning. But, but you may come and, and head back to your seats. Now, if you do not have family with you, we're, we're just going to have families invite you to join their family. Okay, so when you get back to your seat, kind of look around and, and see if there's somebody there that can join your uh, family circle and take communion together this morning. look around and make sure everybody's with somebody if anybody looks like they're kind of alone there you may uh, invite them into your your group as you take communion together this morning we don't want anybody alone today
Well, if you would stand back up on your feet as we continue in worship this morning. Amen. So song, Graves in the Gardens, right? Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. Now, how, how many of you, how many of you know that God is a master of taking things that are messed up and doing good things with it? Amen. How many know, how many know that God is doing something wonderful in here, is he not? That's what the song is about. It's called Graves in the Gardens. How many know that God is taking a, the grave of your life and turning it into a wonderful, beautiful garden? Who knows that? Amen? And I search the world.
glad to have you here at Only Believe. If you're new, we would love for you to grab one of these welcome cards. They're right in front of you in the chair and fill it out and give it to an usher so we can get to know you. Go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning. Well, we will prep our, our tithe and offering at this time, so if you have something to give, you may uh, go ahead and get that ready. If you need an offering envelope, um, there are some in front of uh, you in your chair. If there's not one there, wave your hand around and one of our ushers will help you out. Let's, uh, 
Let's get ready to receive our tithe and offering. Amen. Well, we had somebody run it. Do it, man. Let's do it. All right, let's all stand up on our feet. Josh is going to come pray real fast. He didn't know that. Everybody stand up this morning real quick. Josh is going to pray over tithe and offering, and when you're when you're ready, you can bring it down. Bring it down while he's praying. Before I don't care. It, it's all good. Amen. Amen. Bring it on down if you have it this morning. And we appreciate your faithfulness and your giving, your dedication to our church. Amen. All right, some announcements real quick. Uh, Tish, she's looking for people to help her bake cookies for baptism in two weeks. Or anytime. If you're interested in, in whenever we do something extra, or anytime, you know, we, we welcome cookies at all times. So... But if you're interested in helping out on the day of the next baptism, which is the 30th, two weeks from today, uh, let Tish know, and they like to put stuff together for that, right? And, and you also, by the way, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, you, Tish is also interested in putting together a team of people to help with food. If somebody goes to the hospital and they come home and need some help, or, or maybe a new mom or things like this. So if you're interested in, in some meal things like that, see Tish and we'll start putting some things together like that. All right, thanks, Tish. Uh, with that, don't forget, two weeks from today, uh, our next water baptism. So go ahead and sign up at the back table if you've not been water baptized. And also, that's the day of next steps. So if you want to become a member of Only Believe at Urbana, we'll spend some time with you after church that day. We'll bring in a little food and just have a time talking so we can get to know you a little bit and whatnot and just explain what it means to be a member here. So also sign up at the back table uh, for that. Don't forget, the youth are getting together during church on Wednesday, June the 2nd. So that's two weeks from this Wednesday, I believe. So, by the way, um, this coming Wednesday, I'm going to start a new series called Dealing with Struggle. And we're going to get into this for a little bit. And there's different kinds of struggles, but I just know everybody struggles sometimes. And we're going to talk about dealing with struggle on Wednesday nights. But we're going to be interrupted, so I have that this Wednesday. Then the following Wednesday, uh, we have Mark Dunphy with us. And how many of y'all know Mark Dunphy from the past? So he's coming with us uh, a week from this coming Wednesday, so make sure you're here for that. And let's see, what else? Oh, the Sycamore House. There's some, uh, we're, we're a week or so late on this. But uh, there's these baby bottles. Where are they at, Mike, at the back door? If you would like to pick one of these up on your way out, and the purpose of this is to take this home, and between now and Father's Day, fill it with change. Bring it back here on Father's Day, and we'll turn it in. This is sort of donations that goes to the Sycamore House. So, Christine, can you tell them what the Sycamore House is about? Saving babies' lives. Saving
Amen. Thank you, Steve. So the Sycamore House, we'll take that one home. The Sycamore House, uh, you, how many know we, we believe in the sanctity of life? But you know, Christians yell a lot about it, but we often don't do anything about it. Let's be honest. The Sycamore House is trying to do something about it. So we as a church want to support them, not only with this, but last month, I think we talked about this a while ago, but last month we started a, a monthly donation from our church of $75. It automatically goes out every month right to the Sycamore House. Because again, we believe in that, but we need to be active in our community, but Sycamore House is already doing it. So we want to support the work of what they're up to. So just so you know, some of your giving that comes for your tithing or offering, 75 bucks a month goes straight to the Sycamore House. So just so you're aware of that, and that's just going to be here on out, all right? Uh, let's see. We got other things coming up. Uh, we got our, our, our kids' vacation Bible school at the end of June. We'll tell you more about that uh, coming up soon. Uh, the ladies' small group. Some of you all signed up for small groups a while ago. They're finally kicking off. That's my fault it took this long, but they're finally getting going. So if you signed up for it but you haven't been contacted, they'll contact you soon. If you weren't here when we did the ladies' small group sign up, you want to be a part of one, let Margo know, and we'll hook you in the one that's getting going. So there's three groups that are just about getting ready to kick off. And uh, if you signed up, you'll find out more about that. All right, I think that's all I got to say. Am I missing anything? Oh, Hope, my daughter. Yeah, she's not here. That's why she, she's skipping church. No, she's actually, she went to the Botkins campus because they got their, she grew up in the church and their seniors. She's not? Oh, she's oh, the treasurer. She's the treasurer of the FCCLA. And then they have their senior dinner at the Botkins Church for all their seniors today. But anyways, the reason I'm bringing her up is she's graduating next Sunday. My last one's out the door. Amen. And um, uh, <laughs> I was on a countdown. I'm kidding. Um, I'm thinking all my free time now. But anyways, I'm kidding. Anyhow, um, she, her, her graduation party is next Sunday night. It's at our house, and she just wanted to invite the entire church to come. So you're welcome to come to their grad party. It's from 5 to 9 uh, a week from today at our place. So if you're interested in coming, it is a, exactly from this church. It's a 45-minute drive. So if you're interested in driving that far to, to celebrate with her, see Margo, and she'll hook you up with the information on where we're at. But you're all welcome, and we will have food. So you're welcome to come. What kind of food? It's a pasta bar, right? That's what she wanted. Not a bar, but a pasta and food. Okay. Now, so here, here's where it went. My son, Ryan, he did a walking taco bar. This guy, for some weird reason, did a hot dog bar. I don't understand that. And then, how many of y'all like hot dogs that much? Really? Oh, my goodness. And then Hope is doing pasta, so that's just what's happening. So, anyways, that's next Sunday. We'd love for you to come out to our house. If you've never been to our house, you're always welcome. It's just far away. So, anyhow. All right, get your Bibles out. The book of Luke, chapter number 18. What was that? Something just went crazy? I did? My, oh, Chamberlain. See, it was Chamberlain's fault. All right. Luke 18. We're still in the parables of Jesus. Amen. And remember, the parables are for those who have ears to hear. That will take it within and let it 
take root in you. And, and the parables center around the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God coming again to, to reclaim his lost creation. That's the, the basis of the kingdom. How many of y'all are a citizen of the kingdom? Let me see. Okay, yeah, well, well, how is that? Well, you're saved, right? That's how you get in. So you're a citizen of the kingdom. And now because you're a citizen of the kingdom, there is a way to live in the kingdom, right? And um, by the way, your citizenship of the kingdom of God precedes and supersedes any other thing you're connected to, right? So I'm assuming everybody here is probably a citizen of the United States of America, if not, welcome here. Anyways, right? But my citizenship of the kingdom supersedes and precedes that. I want to be a good citizen of America, but my first priority is to be a citizen of the kingdom. And that will teach me how to be a citizen properly in context of society, right? So we've been talking about some principles of the kingdom of God based in the parables of Jesus, seed growing, yeast being worked through, all sorts of different stuff. But today's parable is a little bit different. It, it's not directly talking about the kingdom, but it, it digs at a point of, of what you need to be like as a citizen of the kingdom. Okay? Now, there, there are two parables that I reference the most in talking about things. Uh, parables that we talked about last week of, of the seed that grows into the largest plant in the garden and the yeast working through the dough. That's the first set of parables I reference a lot. Here is a second parable that I reference all the time when talking about people in the kingdom. So Luke chapter 18 and verse number 9. And he, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. All right. They trusted in, you see the wording there, themselves that they were righteous. Pride is always looking at your door. Is it not? Pride is the root of all kinds of sin. Pride leads you to live life without God, question what God says, and put a lot of stock in yourself. So he's talking to really the religious leaders at the time. And how many know if you read the gospel, Jesus is constantly sparring with the religious leaders? Notice he never really spars with the sinners a whole lot. He's trying to draw them into the kingdom. He, he's sparring with the people that think they're already in, but they're missing it. And that's a dangerous place to be. So pride is always lurking. So he's talking to people. A parable to some that trusted themselves. So they, they had a trust in their own standing with God. They, they you know, a prideful place of what I am in him. And as we're going to see as the parable unfolds, they also place a lot of stock in the religious acts that they do. And they're fine pride. Pride in who I think I am in God, my standing and pride because of the works of, that I do that I think are religious. And there's pride in that. And Jesus is talking to these people. And, and, and when we get to this place, by the way, uh, you, you can call it religious pride, spiritual pride, however you want to uh, talk about it. When you feel you're in that spot, 
it's easy to start judging other people. Isn't that right? You know, it's kind of like, well, I know I'm saved, and I know you're not saved, therefore I'm better than you. Look down, right? Um, I know I'm forgiven, and I know you're still lost in your sin, therefore I have a place to judge you. Uh, well, I've been made righteous. I'm in right standing with God, and you're lost in your sin, therefore I'm better than you in the eyes of God. Or I do righteous acts, I go to church, I tithe, I, I fill my, my baby bottle for the Sycamore house, I do righteous acts, and you're a sinner, and you do sinful things, therefore I'm better than you. And it is this, this pride starts to seep in. Jesus deals with pride consistently in the Gospels. As a matter of fact, I would challenge you this week, y'all are Bible readers, right? Okay, good. I know you are. Um, yeah, get, get on uh, uh, some sort of a website like BibleGateway.com. You ever been on there? Uh, it's a great resource. Do, do a word study. Doing word studies isn't always the best way to study Bible, but it serves a purpose. So do a word study on three words, pride, humble, and humility. Then read all the verses that pop up in different translations with those words. You're going to spend some time. The Bible deals a lot with pride or humility or, or being humble. deals a lot with it. And Jesus does too. Do you remember the story uh, uh, where the disciples were arguing on the road who was the greatest? Remember that? I mean, even the ones that were closest to him started to try to uh, develop this hierarchy of who was the greatest or who was going to sit next to him. Remember uh, the mother, I think it was James and John, asked for a special place of seating in the kingdom. And Jesus said, yeah, you don't know what you're asking. Right? Can you really drink of the cup I'm going to drink? Well, you're going to, but not in the way you think. Pretty much what he was telling them. I, I remember one time uh, we used to do these uh, Friday, for two years, for two years, every Friday night we had a service called God Moments. Every Friday night. So we were doing Wednesday, Sundays, but every Friday night we did these services called God Moments. A lot of worship, short message, and, but there was a lot of ministry time at these services. And I, remember, I don't remember what happened, but there was somebody there that had a big breakthrough. I mean, I don't remember exactly what it was anymore. This person had a big breakthrough. I remember a couple, not long later, I don't remember how long, a couple weeks, I think, but I don't remember how long, I overheard a conversation of two or three people arguing about who was the one that actually prayed for them when they saw the breakthrough. Yeah. And my heart just went, Ugh. Do we really need this kind of stuff in the kingdom? Who's the greatest? Or look at me because of my righteous acts. I'm somebody and kind of pat yourself on the back for it. Pride is always lurking. You must guard yourself against pride. Because life in the kingdom of God is always a life of humility. Amen. And we should seek to be people who are humble. So Jesus was dealing with religious leaders who believed in their own standing in such a way. Now, if you read the gospel, you can see this. Um, they believed that they had a monopoly on the understanding of who God is. They believed they had a monopoly on the understanding of the scriptures. They believed that uh, uh, they had a monopoly on how you must live. 
And they ultimately kind of acted like they were the gatekeepers of the kingdom of God. They, they were in charge of who gets in and who doesn't. Now, you can kind of see how we can get that way. Now, there is an understanding of God, and there is an understanding of the scriptures. Yes, there are those who are saved and those who are not, right? But none of us here are the ultimate authority in any of that. I am very wary of people that, that kind of put off that they know everything. I'm wary of those people. You see what I mean? Um, as, long as, I, as long as I've been pastoring and teaching the Bible, studying, I would never, ever say, yeah, I know all of it. I can explain the whole thing. It's easy, actually. If you would just listen to my wisdom, you get it. Yes. Right? Yes. It, it doesn't work that way. So we as a people, we do not have a monopoly on understanding of God, though we're learning in our understanding. We don't have a monopoly on the understanding of scriptures that we're learning. Right? We don't have a monopoly on the way to live, but we're learning. And we certainly are not the gatekeepers of who gets in and who doesn't. But that's the religious leaders that Jesus was dealing with because of their pride. See, we've got to be careful. And I'm, I'm getting ahead. We haven't even read the parable yet, so I'm, I'm get, getting ahead of this here. We've got to be careful that we don't start creating this we're the real Christians and you're not club. That we get to decide who's the real Christians and who's not. And, and if you only do it our way, then you're in. But if you don't do it our way, then you don't get in. God is the judge of the heart, not us. Is that right? As a matter of fact, in the church, we should never make it hard for somebody to enter the kingdom of God. It's harder on its own merits. See, the religious leaders were supposed to be the ones that were teaching and bringing the kingdom to people. But as we find out in, in the woes of, of, the, of the religious leaders that Jesus said at one point, he said, you're actually shutting it in their faces, right? We should never make it hard for somebody to enter the kingdom of God who is seeking it. It is hard on its own merits. Jesus said, follow me. You know what? That's hard. We can't make it any harder. We shouldn't. When Jesus said, you've got to die yourself in order to have life, that can be hard. We shouldn't make it harder. Now, I understand that when people talk this way, they, they get this idea, well, maybe you're just all about grace and anything goes, and it's just, no, 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 I'm not saying that. Because life in the kingdom will set up the boundaries of the kingdom itself. But it is not our job to make the boundaries and think we can judge other people on the boundaries. That's what religious leaders were doing. They felt pride in who they were. As a church, as a people, as a people of the kingdom, we should actually be good at bringing in those who are not good at being spiritual and help them. Isn't that right? We should be very good at bringing in people into the kingdom who are not very good at being in the kingdom and help them stay in the kingdom because we do this together. Is that right? 
So the, the religious leaders, in their basis of what they were trying to do, was actually good. They, 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 they wanted to honor God and glorify God. They believed that, that in, the, in the removing of sin, it would en, en, uh, enable God to come and set up the kingdom. You have to understand the exile and why people would be in exile and how they came out of exile. If you see that whole big backdrop, you see the religious leaders were wanting God to come, which is a good thing. But the practice of it missed God. You can have all the right ideas and still go about it in the wrong way. And most of it has to do with other people and how you treat them. Amen. We have to be careful of this. See, the more religious we become, the more we're, you know, we're kind of tempted to judge other people. See, Eugene Peterson says this, and I like this. In the company of Jesus, there are no experts, only followers. I like that. Isn't that, isn't that true? When you're sitting here with Jesus, you're not an expert. You're simply just a follower. You're learning. So we say around here, we're, we're just learning to live the Jesus way together. How many of you ever heard that here at this place? Okay. We're just learning. That's true. We are learning to live the Jesus way together. Yes, there's structure. Yes, there's ways we do things. But we're doing this together. As far as I know, I, maybe I can just speak on my own behalf. There's no experts. <laughs> there's just us learning together. That's our attitude. All right, so let's, get, let's read more of the parable here. That was a long lead-in. The Pharisee, yeah. Two men, verse 10, went up to, pray, to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee standing by himself, that, that's something to think about. The Pharisee standing by himself now, how many know we're, we're, we're called to, to come out and be separate? But it does not mean you're, you're too good for other people. Nor does it mean you're too good to be around a sinner. Let me just say this. You know, we, we often get this idea that, my, my gosh, we, we've just got to guard ourselves in such a way that I'm going to hide behind the door and just let all the sin go outside of my house as long as it don't get in. Okay, True. You should not be letting sin into your heart. But how can you be a light to the world when you're hiding behind your door? Making sure nobody gets in your holy bubble. You see what I'm getting at? And let me tell you something. I understand we all grow. We have certain struggles we have to be careful of and all those different things. But if you can't be a light to the world, it's not the world's problem. You can't be a light. You've got to grow in a way that you can go be a light and not have to stand off by yourself. And certainly never stand there because you're too prideful to associate. Right? So here's this Pharisee standing by himself, and he's praying. Verse 11, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus. This is how he prayed. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever actually said that, maybe, but maybe we've thought it. My goodness, I'm just so thankful I'm just not like that person or that, that group of people, right? Thankful I'm not like him. He sees the tax collector, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, 
So he, he even names some sins of things he's not, probably while entirely ignoring the sins that he is. So, so I'm not a sinner. I'm not like that guy. As a matter of fact, verse 12, here's what I do do. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. So he's boasting in the fact that he doesn't participate in certain sins and then turn around and boasting in the stuff that he does that's righteous acts. And he's boasting to God. Now, the only time in the Bible that it says that you're allowed to boast is that you boast in Christ crucified. That's the only thing you can boast in. But if you find yourself boasting that you're not like somebody else, you're better than them, you're boasting because you do all the religious stuff you have, you've fallen into pride. And that's not where we should be. You see, humility means this, that even though I am confident in my salvation, how many of y'all are confident you're saved? How many of y'all are confident that you're a child of God? Okay. I'm confident in these things, but my confidence lies in God and not me. I'm not confident that I'm not like other people because I know better. And I'm not confident in my religious acts because I know without the right heart my religious acts are far from it anyways. See, this is a tension you find in the Bible. So you go back to the Old Testament and you see all these things that are set up, these, these religious things that are set up, Right? sacrificial system and things like this. Then you get to the prophets. Now you find this tension where the prophets are going, wait a second, the sacrifice don't mean nothing. What he really wants is your heart. You find this tension. Because the sacrificial system, though it meant something, it was to do something ultimately foreshadowing Jesus. Without the right heart, it didn't mean anything. So you can be like the Pharisee. You can fast all the time. That's a religious thing. I don't know religious people. I don't know of any religious people that, that fast, or non-religious that fast, unless they're trying to change their body. Some sort of health and diet thing. Anyways, I would never fast just for health and diet. I'll just be honest with you. The Lord has to lead me to fast. He has to have a spiritual reason. I ain't fasting. I like food. Right? Let's be honest. So he fasts all the time. You can fast all the time. And you can be a giver. You can tithe, tithe. You can give, give above your tithe. But if your heart is far from him, it doesn't mean anything. Right? And certainly is never anything to boast in. Well, look at the stuff that I did. See how spiritual I am? Like, like we're in the spiritual Olympics. We've got to outdo each other a little bit here. Remember Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about acts of righteousness. He says, and when you give... And another thing, he says, when you pray and when you fast, we should be people who give, we should be people who pray, we should be people who fast. But what did Jesus say in each of those cases? What the Father sees, what you do where? In secret, there he rewards you. But if you fast in front of people and they pat you on your back and say, hey, you're very spiritual, that's all the rewards you get. And that's nothing. So acts of righteousness are part of the believer's life, but they're things that we don't boast in or do for public acclaim. They're things that we do because they honor the Father, they bring us close to the Father, and there is our reward because, again, our trust is in him, not ourselves. 
So we shouldn't be in a place where we're boastful about the things that we do. Now, the tax collector, this guy, tax collector, he's uh, uh, collecting taxes for Rome. He's a traitor. He sided with Rome. He's collecting taxes from the nation state of Israel, occupied by Rome, taking their money and giving it to the Romans while taking more for himself. So, so he's probably a swindler, a thief, and all sorts of stuff. All right, tax collectors in the eyes of the Israelites were bad dudes. Verse 13, but the tax collector, who was standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, would beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's something about the humility of somebody who understands their place. Right? In, in other words, that, that we, as people who know God, and are learning about who he is, understand that we always are in a place of the need of his mercy and his grace and his patience and his simple faithfulness to us. We need it every day. That we would go before God and boast about all the stuff that we do or we'd be over here going, Lord, I, I just need you. And I can't do this without you. You can think about all the wonderful things God has done in your life, and you can actually think about the things that you do that honor him, the acts of righteousness, okay? But never to the place that it becomes a self-standing thing. I can stand on this. But always, no matter what, even though we're called into intimacy with God, we don't have to stand far off like the tax collector did. There is a humility that brings us into right relationship with God, and in turn, right living in the kingdom. And we need it. Now, I hope every single one of you, you're growing in your understanding of God, and you're in intimate places with him, and you have confidence in that. I hope you do. I hope we're a people that are doing the acts of righteousness that Scripture leads us to do. The acts of righteousness are to come from a renewed heart. They overflow from life happening in you. By the way, the acts of righteousness are things that constantly teach you, by the way. As much as you do them, they always teach you along the way, right? I hope you do these things, but only in a place I only can do these things because of who he is and it has nothing to do with me. And here's something we're all familiar with, Ephesians chapter 2. Everybody knows this verse, I think. If you've been around the church much, you know this verse anyways. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace, Ephesians chapter 2, 8. For by grace, you have been saved through what faith? Your, your active belief. And this is not your doing. There is no place for you to stand that I earned this. You can't earn things from God. You can't demand things from God. You are in a place that what he does in your life is a gift. For it is a gift of God. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not result of works, so no man can boast. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, now see, notice there is good works there. There are acts of righteousness. But because of the workmanship of God in our life, these things happen. And God prepared these things for us beforehand that we should walk in them. Everything we have from God is his working and his gift. There's nothing we can do to do it. Is that right? Got to make sure pride's not a part of our Christian living. So Proverbs 11.2. Let's just hit a couple verses here and we'll close up. Proverbs 11.2. I'll read this up on the screen. It says, when pride comes, what comes after it? Disgrace. But with humble is what? Wisdom. The wisdom lived kingdom life. So in the parable, the religious leader who felt he had the standing, he knew God, he knew the scriptures, he knew the way to live, he believed he was the gatekeeper to the kingdom, eventually comes disgrace. But humility, the one that understands their need of God, they, listen, they eventually walk in the wisdom of God and the kingdom. Because humility keeps you in a place of being teachable. Amen? All right, here's another one. Psalm chapter 25, verses 8 through 10. Psalm 25, 8 through 10. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners. Who's he instructing in the way? Sinners. People that need him. Verse 9. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. Verse 10. And all the paths of the Lord are steadfast, love, and, and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimony. So you want to live in the paths of the Lord that steadfast love and faithfulness, you got to be a person of humility because in that you'll be taught his way. But when you're prideful, you'll get off the path. Even if you think you're religious, you won't be where you're teachable in him. Amen? All right, one more. Matthew 23. Let's, let's go to Matthew 23 and we'll close with this. So Matthew 23 lists the seven woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. So Jesus is, is, is getting after him again. And there are seven woes. And it says, woe to you, and then, and then scribes some things. So uh, let, let's look at verse 23, and we're just going to go down to uh, verse 12, verse 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. In other words, they're bringing the law to the nation of Israel. So you observe whatever they tell you. In other words, the basis of what they're doing is good, but not the works they do, for they preach but don't practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their uh, phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greeting in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called a rabbi, for you have one teacher, and for you are brothers. And, and call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither you be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. Now watch this. The greatest among you shall be your servants. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, 
and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So we go back to the parable we just read. Jesus finishes it out by saying, who then is justified? The Pharisee and his boastfulness or the tax collector and his humility? Who is justified before God? The one that believed that he was in right standing with God because of all his religious acts? Or the one that knew that he needed God? Who is justified? Is the one that lives in humility in everyday needing of God in their life. Amen. So here's what I want. I hope you want this too. I, I would like two things. Can I ask for two things? Okay, thank you. Thought I'd ask before I ask. Anyways, I would like each one of us to check ourselves to make sure that we're not in any way allowing pride to creep into our standing with God. Confident, but not prideful. Sure, but not prideful. And always remember our need for God each day. Okay? And anytime you feel like you, you, you feel good because of all the good stuff you do, rein that sucker in. Pull, pull back on the reins a little bit. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right? Check yourself. But what happens, the second thing is, I, I really, I really would like to see people saved and come to this church. How many of y'all would like to see that too? How, how many of y'all know somebody that needs to go to church and get around people that are, okay. And how many of y'all know, is our church okay for that person, you think? We're not, we're not out there too much. Okay, I hope. Okay, so, all right, so, can we be a people then that are good at bringing in those that have a hard time being spiritual and not judge and look down and consider ourselves, you know, I got it all together, what's wrong with you? Well, you just have enough faith. Well, if you would just stop doing this or if you would just be like me, and all my wonderful, can, can we be a people that can bring people in? And remember, we talk, we talk about this, that we could build a bigger table and invite more people to our table and then keep on learning the Jesus way together, right? That we never find ourselves in the place of the Pharisee, but, but always the humility of the tax collector that we just need God, and we're going to need God together. And some of us who have been doing this for a while, they're more mature, can help pull along those that need a little extra help. Because there is maturity in the kingdom, right? There's some under, better understanding. But we help. It's not a place of pride, but it's a place of helping. You see what I mean? I, I would love to see people saved. And as a group of people enter into long-term discipleship together. Learning to live this Jesus way together long term. Because we have the kind of heart to have people come that need it. I need it still. When I prepare these messages, you understand, uh, I'm teaching myself. And do I listen to other preachers? Yep, I just don't sit around and think I know it all. I, I listen, I learn, right? We're doing this all together. Amen. 
So those are two things I ask. Check our heart, but be willing to then to bring people in. Amen? And now that you all raised your hands, I expect all your friends to be here next Sunday. I'm kidding. Anyways, but go ahead and ask them. Pray. You know, I, yeah, anyways, that, that was a trap. I should have told you. That was a trap. Anyways, pray for them. Invite them. Amen? You just, you just never know what God will do. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord Jesus, that, that, that you're patient with us and you're faithful to us. And I pray that, that we return in faithfulness to see that we walk this obedience long term. But we're obedient because we're humble, we're submissive, and we understand that we have a lot to learn and a lot to grow into, but it's okay because we're doing it together. We're in this together. We're growing together. We're helping one another. I pray that, that, that the Holy Spirit would show each one of us maybe areas of pride that we have to root out so it doesn't grow into something bigger and start to overtake the whole batch and eventually choke out what you're growing. We're people that would live life every single day in the fact that we need you and we live like it. Lord Jesus, for, for you, for your glory, for your kingdom, we do this for you, in Jesus' name. Everybody praise. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for coming today. Enjoy the day. It's going to be nice out. Wednesday, dealing with struggle, we'll kick that off. Uh, for those of you who signed up for the nursery, if, if you got to do a couple things real quick, it'll be 10 minutes. All right, I promise. Come right over here where Lila's sitting. We'll get together just for a few moments, and then we'll go from there. But have a blessed week. We'll see you Wednesday or next Sunday. Invite a friend next time you come.